Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. All right, well, open up your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. We're going to go through verses 41 through 47. Uh, We're going to use that as our main text and then spring from there to look at a few other texts. And this morning we're continuing our series. Uh, We're about halfway through it. Uh, And this morning's message is on fellowship. And what part does fellowship play in the Christian walk? Or the Christian life would be more appropriate. Uh, So when I say fellowship... You may have heard that word thrown out. We, you know, and if you've been a Christian for some time, or even if you're new to it, you, there's certain words that Christians use, and you're like, what does that mean? You may have heard someone say it's Christianese. You know, we throw out these words that we think everybody knows what we're talking about. And, and obviously, sometimes they don't. And if you were new at one time, you're like, yeah, I, know, I remember Christians using these words. And I didn't understand what it meant. Well, fellowship is one of those words. It comes from the Greek word koinonia, which means a partnership or literally participation or social intercourse. It's used in scripture in a number of ways to describe people associating with one another, a community coming together, even communion or joint participation. And you think of that, that's what a church is. We're assembling together in joint participation. You know, we're partnering together for the gospel, partnering together to help each other grow. And so when I use that word fellowship, I'm using it in that context, really talking about the church setting, what we do on Sunday morning. As we've said a number of times in in this series, this is not an exhaustive study on any one topic. So I'm really trying to focus on fellowshipping on Sunday mornings, which we're all doing at this very moment. And so I want to focus on and answer the question, how important is it for us as believers to be together this morning? I mean, do Christians, you may ask, people may ask you this, do Christians need to go to church? Uh, Can't we be Christians and not attend church? I mean, we could pray and read and worship God outside of church. Why do we need to come to church? Why do we need to do it in the confines of a church fellowship? Well, we can and we should worship and pray and read and even fellowship outside of church. That should be a part of our life, should be a part of your life, but it also should be part of your Sunday morning or whatever day you worship or you gather together. For our church here, we gather on Sunday morning. So if you are a part of this church, if you are a member of this church, then Sunday morning should be a an important part of your life. Also, I want to note that nowhere in Scripture are we encouraged to not stay in fellowship. There's no letter in the Bible, in the New Testament in particular, that says, hey, don't go to church. You don't need to go to church. There's always an assumption that you're going to church. If you think about it, there's 27 letters in the New Testament that make up the the New Testament. And... Out of all those letters, only two that I can think of were, writ- were not written to a church or to a person about 
something going on in the church. Even the three, even the four gospels, three of them were believed to be written to a community of believers, a fellowship of believers. The only one, which is the gospel of Luke, is addressed to a certain individual about his faith, faith, and that's Theophilus. And then if you think about it, the book of Acts is considered the second part of Luke. And that's written as well to Theophilus. But it's really a history of the church. And in laying out a history of his church, as we'll see this morning, he talks about what church is. So again, all the letters in the New Testament are written to a church. So there's an assumption by the New Testament writers that people are in church. The instruction that's giving is in church. The church as well is often compared to or referred to a number of times as a family, as a body, or as even branches. There's this togetherness, this fellowship. I mean, think of your own families, right? We're a family of, for example, my family is a family of five, right? We don't do family apart from each other. We're together as a family, and your family is the same as well, I'm sure. The New Testament writers, I also want to make this note, they don't envision Christians living in isolation. They don't think, you know, you live in isolation of other believers. They're always together. That's why they use family and body and branches. We often say here in our church that Christianity is a team sport. And so it's with that understanding that we dive into the text this morning and this topic and again answer the question, why is being in fellowship a key part of your Christian life? So let's go ahead and go to the text now. We're in chapter 2 of Acts, and I want you to look at verses 41 through 47. Actually, 42. So up to verse 42, the Apostle Peter has been preaching, and now there's, I think if I'm not mistaken, 3,000 people who are saved. And so what are they supposed to do at this point? Look at what it says they do after they become believers. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were gathered together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. In the text before us, one thing is consistently reiterated over and over again, and it's the togetherness of the community of believers. Again, in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to fellowship. So it's a group of people, koinonia, right? A fellowship. They devoted themselves to that. Again, in verse 43, it says, all those who had believed, they were together. Again, in 43, and they had all things in common as they were together. 
And then again in verse 44, they were sharing with one another. And in verse 46, if you drop down there, two more things to point out. It says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. So again, there was this togetherness, this one mind, day by day. And lastly, again in verse 46, they were taking their meals together. So again, there's this sense in the early church that there was a togetherness, that they all came together and participated together to do all these things. And what was it that caused them, as believers, to be so devoted to the Lord and to each other? What was it? Well, they exemplified Christian fellowship inside the church and outside the church. You see, it says they went to temple day by day and even house to house day by day. They're exemplifying Christian fellowship at this time. They stood out from the rest of the crowd at the time as well. Right? They distinguished themselves from the rest of the Roman world that they were living at that time. People knew that those brothers and sisters, or those men and women, I should say, were different. They meet together. They do everything together. And it was different from the rest of the world. And this is going to be my first point in why being in fellowship is a key part of the Christian life. And point number one is this. It is a testimony of our sanctification. This is how the early church distinguished themselves. Last week, Pastor John spoke on one aspect of sanctification, which is what God does for the believer. He sanctifies them positionally. And there's nothing that a believer can do to be removed from that sanctification. And he did a great job of illustrating that. But I want to point out a different part of sanctification, and it's relevant to the text this morning about distinguishing themselves. You see, when we meet together as a church, as they met together as a church, it reminds us that we are separated from God. We're distinct from the rest of society. That's why we meet together. We choose a day during the week that we meet together as believers. So we're not just sanctified positionally, but we're sanctified for a particular reason. There's a reason that we come together, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But this meeting together should remind each and every one of us of our sanctification. It's a testimony to that. In God, in deliver, in God, when God delivered his people back in Exodus, and you could turn there if you'd like. I'm going to read a few verses from there. Um, Exodus, let's start in chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, uh, when God calls uh, Israel out of Egypt, and this happens throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that, that God calls his people to come out from somewhere or from the rest of the people and to be separate from them and to worship him. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, when God is instructing Moses, he says this, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, look what he tells them to do, you shall worship God at this mountain. God called Israel out of Egypt for a specific purpose, and that was to worship God or to serve God. And then later on in Exodus, I want to point out another part about this distinction. 
Turn, turn to chapter 31, Exodus chapter 31, and let's look at verses 16 and 17. And this is where God explains the Sabbath. And I want you to notice something, that God sets a day for his people to worship him. Why? To be a reminder of the covenant that they have made with God. This covenant between God and his people is to be remembered that day that they worship. So let's look at these. This is, uh, this is real interesting here. Exodus 31, verses 16 and 17, in discussing the Sabbath. To Israel, he says this, So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. So it's reminding them of their sanctification of what God had done. You are going to celebrate this, Israel, through every generation. And it's a perpetual, it's a sign of the perpetual covenant that God has with his people. Look at the next verse. He says, it is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from his labor and was refreshed. So the Sabbath day was a sign of their covenant with God, their separation, their sanctification. You are worshiping me on the Sabbath to remember this covenant that I have made with you, and it's going to be a sign forever throughout your generations. Now, the c- attending Sabbath, I want to make this distinction, is not the covenant, right? It's not the, the purpose. Like, hey, I didn't save you just to worship me. I saved you to, to serve me. So attending Sabbath for the nation of Israel was not the sign. It was to remember what God had done. And I point that out because as you know, as we go, as you went through the Old Testament and as you guys went through Isaiah, as we went through Isaiah, what was their problem? They were mistaking the rituals for the relationship with God. They're saying, well, I attend Sabbath, so every other day I can do what I want. That was not the sign. Attending Sabbath, uh, or church or temple at the time was not the sign. It was a, It's their relationship with God. They were going to Sabbath because of their relationship with God. They didn't go to Sabbath to make themselves right with God. As a matter of fact, if they didn't have a relationship with their Lord and they were going to Sabbath, God, remember what he was telling them? I reject your Sabbath. I reject your worship. It's nothing but a noisy sound or clang. So again, it's not the covenant, but it's a sign of the covenant. And we go wrong ourselves when we equate going to church as the extent of our Christian life. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian because I go to church. Going to church does not make you a Christian at all, right? There could be people sitting in here this morning who have absolutely no relationship with the Lord, and they mistakenly think they're right with the Lord because they're here this morning. And that's not the covenant. Going to church is not the covenant, just like uh, participating in Sabbath was not the covenant. And again, Israel struggled with this over and over again, mistaking their religious duties as their relationship with the Lord. And this is why in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul instructs the Colossian church 
not to let people judge them on the day that they keep Sabbath. It wasn't that, hey, you have to keep Sabbath on this certain day, but it was you have to at least keep Sabbath because of your relationship. Again, they were mistaking one for the other. And so therefore, he says, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or respect to festival or new moon or Sabbath day, things which are mere shadows of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The Apostle Paul didn't didn't really care when you celebrated the Lord's day as long as you celebrate it. He wasn't saying, hey, don't celebrate Sabbath. You don't have to celebrate Sabbath and nobody can judge you for not celebrating Sabbath or some celebration of it. He was not saying that, but he was saying, don't let your attendance of Sabbath be the mark that you're a believer. And so that was the big thing. Again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. You can't say, well, I don't need to go to church. If you're a believer, you're right. You don't need to go to church to be a believer, but believers go to church. If you're constantly staying away from church, you, I need to, you need to ask yourself, am I really a believer? What is keeping me from church? Again, this is a testimony of our sanctification. This reminds us that we are separated from for God. And not only that, still sticking with my first point, it reminds the world that we are separated for God. We are demonstrating our priorities to others when we attend church. We are demonstrating how important the worship of the Lord is in our lives, that we would make this more important than whatever else comes up this morning. There are a lot of things, I'm sure, that things that we could be doing this morning, but we made it, but you made it at a point to say, I'm coming to church today because I want to worship the Lord. We should not come to church only when it's convenient or if there's nothing else going on. We should schedule everything else around church, not vice versa, because we're recognizing we're sanctified for God, and this is a testimony to the rest of the world. And hopefully our daily lives demonstrate this reality. Or else, as I mentioned earlier, coming to church becomes more of a hindrance to those who see our hypocritical lives. Right? If, if we live like we're not believers Monday through Saturday, then going to church is just hypocritical. And it can become a hindrance to those who know us know our lives, and know who we are the rest of the week. Instead of them saying they want, they're want they drawn to church, they would probably tell us, I don't want to go to church because it doesn't seem like it's working for you. You would know different than anybody else. And although we are still sinful, and yes, we can be hypocritical at times, don't let, I want to make this distinction, don't let your personal or your positional sanctification be a license to have unsanctified lives. Just because you're a Christian, what I'm saying is, don't say, well, I sin, so it's not a big deal. No, that's a testimony to the rest of the world, right? They're seeing the way that we live. Our positional sanctification should cause us to want to live sanctified lives for the Lord. It should be the, uh, the drive, one of the driving factors. Because of who I am in Christ... As, the, as uh, Pastor John taught last week, because God has sanctified me, I want to be sanctified for Him. I want to live sanctified lives. 
So again, going to church is part of that testimony, not only for us, but for the rest of the world and those who know us. So let's look at the second point here about why we come to church or how, why it's important in the Christian life. Number two, it's this. It strengthens us in our Christian walk. It matures our faith. It matures our faith. Well, how does it do that? If you're going back to the book of Acts in in verse 42, what did they devote themselves to? It says they they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to hearing God's word proclaimed by the apostles. And that, again, is in uh, Acts verse 42. But I want to switch over and go to the book of Ephesians. So do that with me this morning. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 16 to illustrate this point. That coming to church helps mature our faith. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And really explaining in this section that I want to read the purpose of why God gave pastors and teachers and and also apostles and prophets, as we'll see. Look at what he says in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. So he's saying, hey, God has a purpose for certain roles within the church. And for uh, our study this morning, what is the purpose of God giving a pastor or teacher? Look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. So, God has given the church positions of pastor and teacher for what purpose? Well, so that we as believers could learn how to live as followers of Christ. That's what it says in verses 12. For the equipping of the saints. So my position, Pastor John's position and and Pastor Jared, as we teach from the pulpit, it is to equip you guys as saints for the work of ministry to build you up into the body of Christ. We need to equip you guys for service, build you up in your faith. That is our duty. That is our part in this church as pastors and teachers. Not only that, not only do we do that, but you also, in verse 13, learn about the Lord's character. Look at that. Until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. We need to learn about God. So coming to church on Sunday morning is, is partly about learning about God, which is why we go through Scripture. And even though we do that other days of the week, we are called to do it here. We are called to listen to pastors and teachers proclaim God's Word faithfully. For those of you listening this morning... Uh, online or in a podcast later, you need to ask yourself as well, are you sitting under a pastor who is proclaiming God's word, who is building up your knowledge of the Son of God? That is a great 
task for the pastor and teacher to do. And I know John and Jared and myself, we don't take that lightly. We labor over God's word. We want to teach the right thing. And believe me, I know that if, if I say something incorrectly, somebody after church will say, hey, um, what did you mean by that? Or what would, you know, you said this, but God's word doesn't say that. I think about that as I'm preparing God's word, how it's going to be received. And, and I'm not perfect, and neither is John or Jared, and we make mistakes. So I would encourage you, if there's something not clear, which we'll talk about in application in a few months, you guys should feel free to come and ask us. Point out things. That also shows that you're paying attention and you're listening to what we say. So we learn about God's character. And the result of that as, as we come to church and we're growing in our faith, look at verse 14 through 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. This talks about as the result of this teaching. It says this, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by various waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Part of learning God's word is so that you won't be, be fooled by false teachers. You'll be able to recognize good doctrine. That's why we sit here as well. We need to learn who God is so that when someone tries to give us false doctrine about who God is or the way God works, we know that that's not what Scripture says. And verse 15 continues, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto Him who is the head, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of the individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Again, another result of proper teaching is that we grow up as a church, individuals and collectively. We mature in our faith. We grow in maturity as believers. And so that's one of the primary reasons we come to church is to learn. And so I hope you have your Bible. You're opening your Bible up. You're following along or your iPad or your your, your phone, whatever it is you have, but you're paying attention to what's being said so that you can grow in your faith. Another reason we come to church, and our third point, is it keeps us accountable. It keeps us accountable. Again, in the book of Acts, the early church, they were together all the time. Could you imagine me coming to your house every night for dinner? Yeah, that wouldn't be good, would it? Or all of us just being together day after day after day in church at somebody's house having dinner? You would be a little more on your guard, I'm sure, right? I know when the pastor's around, people, you know, tighten up a little bit. Like, you know, they have to be on their good behavior or something. Um, but if you're around Christians all the time, you're a little more accountable, right? You're watching your P's and Q's, so to speak, Right? We want our church to be obedient. We want to live obedient lives. So that's why when you, know, when you come to church, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, sometimes we, we act on our best behavior, right? Sometimes we don't as well. We're not perfect. But we hold each other. <laughs> we hold each other uh, to account, right? We encourage each other, which we'll talk about in a few moments, to live obedient lives to Christ, 
A matter of fact, in the, as a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, Jesus lays out church discipline. Right? This is the ultimate accountability in the church. In, in Matthew 18, so turn there with me. I want to read this to you. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17 says this. It says, Truly I say to you... Oh, that's the wrong verse. I love when I do that. Verse 15, sorry. If your brother sins... So, right, this is the family. If you're, speaking of the church family... Right? Not your individual brother. Although, brothers and sisters, if your brother sins, you can go to him and tell him too. That's okay. With love, in love, right? In love. Don't start a fight. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have one of your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is some serious accountability that Jesus is describing here, right? And that's what happens in church. Church discipline. We believe in church discipline as well. Not because we want to, you know, everybody to be holy and perfect, but we want you to live obedient lives to Christ. And part of coming to church is to be held account as believers. People ask us about our lives and we tell them, or we should, right? Think about this. When you are not walking right with the Lord, you probably don't feel like going to church on Sunday morning. You rather stay home and hide out. Right? When we're in sin, we stay home or we stay far away from church or far away from believers. When somebody texts you and asks you how you're doing, you might take a little while to respond if you're in sin and they're asking you something specific. Right? And honestly, let's be, I mean, let's be honest, sometimes we don't want to be held accountable. So we stay away from church. We stay away from getting involved. Or we stay away from letting our guard down and revealing who we are. Or we sit in the very back of the church, not against you guys back there, <laughs> trying to hide. Or up in the balcony. I have a friend, um, he doesn't go here. <laughs> I wouldn't point him out. Uh, when he goes to church, he goes, I go, he likes to go to a very big church because he can hide, right? You can hide at a big church. Um, he likes to go to the very, the big church and he likes to sit in the balcony, in the back of the balcony so he could come in and come out real quick. So nobody asks him anything about his life. He's got some, he obviously has something. He doesn't want people to know his business. So he comes in late and he leaves early so that nobody talks to him. Is that what Christian fellowship should be like? I think you're missing out if that's something that you do. You're missing out on fellowship and accountability as well. And being accountable just helps us grow. right? Imagine if we were spending day after day together, we would start offending each other. We would have to learn how to get along with one another. We would say something bad and offend somebody, and we'd have to apologize. But that's how we grow 
Right? If life was perfect and there was never any problems, we wouldn't grow and know how to handle when tough things happen. So, don't let those things keep you from church. The apostle, or not the apostle, John MacArthur, he would be mad at me if I called him an apostle. <laughs> if you know John MacArthur. John MacArthur had this um, warning about staying away from church. He says, for a Christian to fail to participate in the life of a local church is inexcusable. In fact, those who choose to isolate themselves are disobedient to the direct command of Scripture. And if you're listening this morning and, and that describes you, you need to think about that. Why are you staying away from church? Why aren't you getting involved in church? Do you not want to be held accountable? Do you not want people to be part of your life? And, and John MacArthur, in talking about this, is, uh, is alluding to Hebrews 10, 24-25, which we'll get to in a moment. But just ask yourself, even us here this morning, because we could be part here in this church sitting here, but we're not really a part of it. We're not being held accountable. Again, think of the early church in Acts. They shared meals together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. did all things together. And I know it, our culture is like, well, we, want, we have our own time, our own family, but this church should also be a family. We should hold each other accountable. We should do that because we want each other to live right with the Lord. Let's move on to the, to the fourth point here about why we come to church and why it's important. It keeps us encouraged. It keeps us encouraged. Turn to he Now we're going to go to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. So turn there with me. Looking for it. Sorry, here we go. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Look at what it says. He says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Again, this is what Pastor John, uh, John MacArthur was alluding to when I gave you that quote. Part of coming to church, it should be an encouragement when we come to church. We should be getting encouraged by our brothers and sisters. Not only that, we should be ministered to. We should be encouraged and ministered to through our prayers, through brothers and sisters praying with us, through worshiping together, and sometimes just seeing friends and familiar faces right, that we haven't seen throughout the week. And this is why scripture in Scripture the church is referred to as a family and as a body. Because we need that encouragement, right? We need family, our own family to encourage us. We need our church family to encourage us. We should be dependent on one another, again, as the early church was. And I ask you this, do you see your church that way? Do you see this, if this is your church, do you see this church that way? That you need them that you need to be encouraged by them, that you want them to pray for you? Or are you like, no, I have my own personal prayer time with the Lord, which is great. But again, Christianity is not to be lived out in isolation. You need the encouragement of your brothers and sisters. 
I pray that you see Renaissance Church that way if this is your church. Let me ask you, when trouble comes, do you run to church or do you run away from church? When hard times happen in our lives, what do you do? Do you run to your church or do you run away from it? We see the early church, they pulled their resources together to help one another, to provide for one another, to pray for one another. This was a, the place believers always wanted to be. Let me ask you that. Is church the place that you always look forward to coming to? Is it the place you want to be? I thought of... Um, I don't advocate this movie. Do you guys, uh, for those of us that were around in the 80s, and maybe even the 90s, I thought of this, uh, the sitcom Cheers. Does, you don't have to raise your hand like, I wouldn't watch that, Robert. I can't believe that. <laughs> but the, the opening song is perfect. I'm going to get this song in your head. I'm not going to sing it, but just listen to these words. And those of you that know it are always like, it says this, it says, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. I won't embarrass my family. <laughs> but listen to this. Just think of this in, in a kind of a way about church. He says, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries, sure, it would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go. Sounds weird as I'm reading it. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Doesn't that sound like what church should be? Right? We want to be here because the world's tough. And sometimes life stinks. This should be the place of sanctuary. Right? Where people are happy to see us. And we're glad that we came. Even though sometimes we can offend each other. I'm, I know, I'm aware of that. But, old, but, but in the grand scheme of things, church should be somewhere we look forward to coming. And that everybody's glad that you came. Right? And it's nice when, especially, I've been in a, the big church and I've been in a small church. And I would not trade this, this small church for a big church because everybody knows my name. I mean, at my last church that I was in, I, I could go to a different service and nobody would know me. I could sit at a different place in the sanctuary and nobody would know me. I could walk in and out and it would be like nobody knew me. And I've said this before. I remember after I left that church and came here, it would be years later and somebody, hey, we haven't seen you in church in a while. Because they didn't even know I left the church because it was so big. But here we know, right, when people are missing, like we miss them. Or they haven't been here. Or, hey, where have you been? Or we call them up. Or we text them to find out where they are because we miss them. Want to make sure they're okay. That's what a church does. And, you, and that happens in the big church as well. I mean, you have a small group of friends that check in on you. But some, it's just a little different. Just for me. I, I like this smaller church. So we go to church to be encouraged. And lastly, we also go to church... So that we can encourage, that we can encourage other people. We should be on the other end. We should be praying for one another. We should use our spiritual gifts to help within the body of Christ. We should help, we should encourage each other with our friendships and with our common goal 
to live for the Lord. And we'll talk a little bit more about spiritual gifts in the weeks ahead. So let's, let's close with four points of application. I, I want to encourage you guys this morning to commit to the following. Don't worry, I'm not going to have you stand or come forward or, or walk or raise your hand. This is between you and the Lord. But I would encourage you guys this morning, those of you here and even those who are, are watching online, and I know we live in a, a difficult time and it's hard to get to church right now and some people need to stay away from church for health reasons and, and I'm so thankful that we could broadcast this. But number one, we should commit to making church attendance a priority in your life. Commit to making church attendance a priority in your life. Remember Hebrews 24 through 25 that we just looked at again. That was kind of the antithesis of making church attendance a part of your life. Look at verse 25 again. He says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. Again, some believers have a habit of missing church. It's common for them. For them to come into church is a rarity. And again, it goes back to what I said earlier. They have other things going on that take precedent for whatever reason. So I, I ask you to commit yourself. You know, I'm going to make church attendance a priority in my life. And, and I say that, and I pray that you see the importance and necessity, as we went through earlier, those five points, of church attendance in your Christian walk. I pray that you see that. I pray that you can say with the psalmist in Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Do you wake up with that? Oh, I'm glad it's church today. Or you're like, oh, it's church today. I pray it's not like that. I pray you don't feel that way about our church. I pray that you look forward to coming. Again, don't get in the habit of forsaking the assembling of believers. This is vital and important. One last warning from a, a theologian named R.C. Sproul. He said this. He says, It is both foolish and wicked to suppose that we will make such, that we will make much progress in sanctification if we isolate ourselves from the visible church. Let me read that again. It is both foolish and wicked to suppose that we will make much progress in sanctification if we isolate ourselves from the visible church. We need each other to grow in the faith. Right? We need to, to learn how to live with one another. We need to learn how to offend each other and reconcile with one another. I'm thinking of a sports, you know, even in sports, you know, you can practice on a team sport. You can practice by yourself. And that's great, but you also need the entire team to work together properly. The same thing here. We are a body of believers. We need each and every one of us operating properly so that we may grow together in our sanctification. Secondly, I, I want you to commit to being an active listener when you are in church. What do I mean by that? So, I know it's easy as, as I drone on to like zone out and stop paying attention or think about the Super Bowl today or whatever, what I'm going to eat today. 
whatever it is, right? But again, one of the reasons we come to church is, is to learn, right? We want to learn. So I pray that you, you would, first of all, follow along in your Bible, right? You would open your Bible and listen, right? So even if I drone on, at least you're like looking at the words and, and, and seeing them and reading them to yourselves that you, so you stay focused. So I pray that you would commit to that. Not only that, take notes. We put points up on, on, the, on the board here or the TV because we want you to remember there, there's a reason why we're saying these things. Again, it's to help you grow. Take notes, jot down references or something that pops into your head that the Lord speaks to you. A number of times people have come up to me and goes, you know what, as you were talking and they tell me what they learned and it was nothing that I said. It was something that the Lord kind of picked, you know, picked their interest and they looked it up while I was teaching or they thought of something. And that's great too. If, if that's what the Lord is doing for you, great. At least you're learning. A part of being an active listener is also, again, I mentioned this earlier, feel free to ask the pastor a question. He said something that you want to know, that you want to elaborate it on, elaborate it on. You should ask us. You should feel free to, to ask me a question about what I said or to question something about what I said. Believe me, as I'm preparing a sermon, I'm thinking of how is somebody going to respond to this? How would they see this? Or would they go, why do you say that? I don't see that in Scripture. I want to have those answers just in case somebody asks me. So commit to come, making church a priority. Commit to being an active listener. And thirdly, commit to being accountable to others. Again, when we come to church, let's be a little bit vulnerable. It's okay to ask for prayer, to ask for counseling, to ask for advice. This is where we should do it. I mean, I don't remember. I mean, I could probably, uh, let, me see, let me rephrase that. You know, when we used to have people up here praying for people, not a lot of people would come up for whatever reason. Maybe they were embarrassed or they might, well, if I go forward, someone's going to think I have a problem, right? I mean, that's probably what it is. I'm not going forward. They're going to think I got issues in my life. We all, let's be honest, you all, you guys, not me, you all have issues in life. We have issues. We need prayer. Let's be honest. I mean, even in our small groups, when we ask, hey, does anybody have a prayer request? No one wants to say anything, right? Maybe they just want to go home and they're done with the Bible study. But I mean... It's okay. You know, yeah, I need prayer. Even if it's, I need pray for my job or this or my family. I mean, that's what we should be doing as a church. We should be asking for prayer from our brothers and sisters, asking for counsel, asking for advice. Believe me, the pastors after church, if you want, I mean, we would love to be praying for people after church. That's what church should be about, a time of prayer, time of worship. You, know, you guys praying for one another, it's cool to see out in the, out in the courtyard when a brother and sister are, are praying for somebody. That's the ministry that needs to go on here. But be accountable. And fourthly, commit to encouraging others when you are in church. When you come to church and you're talking to your brothers and sisters, you know, check in on them. Ask them how they're doing in all sincerity. Not so that you can gossip about them, but say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Check in on them. Again, we only ask, and people only ask because they care, I would hope. Pray, again, pray, and pray for one another. And you know what? And just hang out and fellowship after church with one another. You know, don't, 
Stick around for a little bit, right? People are glad you came. Remember that song? Everybody knows your name. They want to know how you're doing. Go outside and have a snack, and one day soon, hopefully, we'll have coffee again. I'm begging for coffee again. Like, I want coffee. I want Starbucks coffee after church. That's what the early church did. They had Starbucks coffee and fellowship (laughs) with one another. But stick around and visit. Don't be so quick. You know, don't be the the last one in and the first one to leave. You know, people are, are glad you came. They want a fellowship with you. Let's be that church, like that early church, so that we can all grow in our maturity uh, as believers and grow in our holiness uh, towards God. So and I pray that these things speak to you and that you will commit yourself uh, more than ever to making church a priority, being an active listener, committing to being accountable to others, and encouraging one another when you are here. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word, for the great example and scripture of the early church. And, and we didn't even really scratch the surface on that topic, Lord, and just how you blessed them and added to the church daily those who were being saved. Lord God, we would desire nothing more than to see people saved here at this church who don't know you, that we would be able to invite friends and family here and, and even strangers that they would see something different about Renaissance Christian Church, that they would look forward to coming to church. And I pray for each and every one of us this morning who's here, Lord, that we would just recommit ourselves to making church attendance a priority because of all that, that we benefit from by coming, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, use this time that we have to help us grow in our knowledge of you and our love for you and our love for one another. And I pray, Lord God, for those in the church at this moment who are, who are struggling, Lord, who maybe struggle with coming to church for whatever reason. I pray, Lord God, that you would move in their heart, that they would see the importance of church attendance, even in the midst of all that is going on in our crazy world. There's so many people that have, have been gone for so long. We haven't seen them personally, Lord, and we pray for them and pray that you would continue to protect them, that you would continue to watch over them. But Lord God, we also pray that you would uh, give them an opportunity to attend church again and that we would see them and they would feel comfortable coming, Lord God. And just, I'm just so thankful that we are able to do that, to meet together. And I pray that we will never forsake the gathering of ourselves together, Lord that we would continue to meet until the day that you return and take us back home, where we will meet forever in your presence, worshiping and praising you, and really being like that early church where we spend every day together. We look forward to that day. Until that day comes, Lord God, help us to glorify you in this life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.